does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Kind of crazy to think, uh, Jake, three weeks from today, we'll be talking about the first training camp practice of the Colts. Uh, Wednesday, July 26th, that will be a 10 a.m. practice time. So I'm guessing report day will then be the 25th. That would be a Tuesday. Uh, and the training camp schedule this year for the Colts is a little bit different than it's been in years past. I think there are some good things about it, and I think there are some, I guess, disappointing things from a fan attendance standpoint. I'll throw in the caveat I've mentioned before. Again, the Colts are one of a very few teams, very few teams in the NFL that still go off-site for their training camp, and they also have free practices. So that is a pretty strong gesture by them to continue to do that. And it's great access. Jake, you've been up there. I mean, if you watch a practice at Grand Park, you're closer than you will be at a high school football game. Correct. To the crowd, or to the um, to the field and everything. So last year they had 16 total open practices. This year that number is down to 13 open practices. So I think that's where the bad news is. You won't see them as often. Seven of those 13 are in the morning which I know can kind of restrict a lot of people from a work schedule standpoint. Now, the good news is this. You're going to get three practices on the weekend, back-to-back Saturday night practices. That'll be the last week of July, so that'll be July 29th, and then the following Saturday, August 5th. You'll get two 6 p.m. practices on each of those Saturday nights, And then Sunday, August 6th, will be an open practice. So you'll have three weekend practices there. Two at Saturday night, one on that Sunday afternoon, the 6th. And then probably the best part of the camp schedule, and Mark Dykton, I would assume, is a fan of this. The Bears joint practices, those will be at 6 p.m. at night. And that I part's looked, awesome. Yeah, and I looked up last year when the Lions came, the Fighting Dan Campbells, eating kneecaps, those practices were at noon. So you've gone from noon on a Wednesday, Thursday with the Lions to 6 p.m. on a Wednesday, Thursday with now, the Bears. I have a feeling those are going to be packed, and when tickets become available, I, I probably should look up if they are. Again, they are free tickets. Yes, they are. I've already got some reserves. So okay. Yes, they are available. So they are available and they're free, correct, Mark? But yes. you have to have one. You have to have them. To get yeah, in the building there. Um, those are going to be some jam-packed night practices. Again, August 16th and 17th. Uh, I'm looking on their website right now. Mark, did you get the Wednesday practice? I got Wednesday and Thursday. Boy, it looks uh, like Wednesday. you, hoarder. looks like Wednesday's already done. I double-dipped. Or maybe the, those are just theme days. But yeah, head to their website, colts.com, event slash training camp. Uh, good news, you get the night practices, you get more weekend practices. Bad news, uh, they have three less practices than they did last year. How many teams do training camp in their facility now and don't even go anywhere? So I'll, I'll try and look it up. I believe it's got to be, I would say, six or less go off-site. Really? The Cowboys still do, right? 
The Cowboys still do, correct. I'm scrolling through it right now. The Bills go to St. John Fisher University, so that's in Rochester. That is Doesn't that fit the Bills? That they still go off-site like that? Absolutely <laughs> yeah. love that. The Panthers go to Wofford College. Mark, the Bears are at their facility now. Uh-huh. They used to be, obviously. Just to clarify, by the way, there are tickets available for Wednesday, Thursday. I just put in like 30 tickets for the Wednesday practice, and you can get them. You just have to click on the find tickets, and then you can put your allotment in there and just click next. Okay, so Is there not a limit? I don't believe so. Okay. Bills, Panthers. I mean, Cow- when they're at capacity, they're at capacity. They're not going to allow you to go in. Cowboys but. is in Oxford, Jake, to your point. Boy, I mean, I'm scrolling through this. Again, the culture in Grand Park. The Chiefs go to Missouri Western University. There's not many. I wonder where Missouri Western is. It's on the western side of Missouri. Oh, thank you for that. St. Joseph, Missouri. East. Okay, St. Joe, Missouri is suburban Kansas City, so that's not too far. And again, some of these teams, and like to be fair to the Colts, obviously it's Westfield, Indiana. I mean, there was a part of me, Jake, that says, boy, it's a bummer that Rose Holman and Anderson University no longer has it. Those are obviously pockets and sections of the state that don't readily get to see the Colts. I totally get why they are at Grand Park and... You know, I, I part of me does wish they could reach you know some sections of the state that don't get to see them on a frequent basis, and not be in the most what affluent county probably in the state from a per capita right. standpoint. Right. Uh, but still, I think it's awesome that they're able to do this and that they continue to do it. Um, and they're one of just a few NFL teams that still go offsite. By the way, is Grand Park for sale still, or did that was that sold? I think it is still for sale. Yeah. Interesting. We're at year five, by the way, of a 10-year contract with the Colts at Grand Park. So I think this is something that is going to be the norm for the Colts here for the next handful of years. But Shane Steichen, a little bit more of a morning practice guy. Last year, Frank Reich tried to do the uh, let's match up circadian rhythms and let's practice at 1 o'clock. Jake, don't think that worked out well. Yeah, it did not... um... Does it really matter what time? I, I guess it does. I mean, there's probably some sort of science technology behind it. I, You know, like I said, I still, and I'm not saying that I'm in favor of this, uh, but I still think of NFL training camp as millionaires showing up carrying a pillow and a set of headsets because they're moving into a dorm where they're going to be living for the next seven weeks. Smith Hall at Anderson University. I was there for several years. Now, did they literally live in dorms just like college kids did? Yeah, so the Colts were, I forget what exactly the dorm name was of their dorm at Anderson, uh, but staff was in Smith Hall, and yeah, players were in a different dorm. I think it was just those two dorms, if I'm not mistaken, and then you walked across, honestly, there was a cemetery on campus, Jake, I don't know if you've ever been, you would love it. Uh, Right across the street from the cemetery was the um, dining hall. And then you had meeting rooms. Was and- it depressing? Because uh, here's why I say that, okay? No, I, I would say I'm no, get, but go ahead and explain. I'm going to get overly Freudian here. I think for a lot of people, a college dormitory, the tile floor, the two beds in the wall, the two desks with wooden chairs. When I was a freshman in college, I immediately moved into a fraternity house. I had like been so, chosen a fraternity in my senior year of high school 
and moved in right away, which was, and my dad was totally opposed to that, and my dad was 100% right. But somehow or another, I, I won out, and my parents let me learn that lesson on my own. I should have moved into the dorms. But I ended up still living in a dorm for part of college. But I also went to basketball camp as a kid at Taylor University where we stayed in the dorms. And so I, I, I still experienced that like kind of uneasy awkwardness of being away from home, being a little bit homesick, just a, a totally kind of an uncomfortable, like that's what the dorm visually and like just the, everything about it still reminds me of when I walk into a dorm it is admittedly the thought of walking in totally out of your comfort zone and and trying to make the best of a situation that nobody in particular that that's where they want to be living and so I wonder like if that's from an NFL training camp standpoint I always felt like it was fascinating to see guys that were making millions of dollars, but they were being relegated and stripped down to that exact sensation and feeling that you feel the second you walk into one and you're just a little bit uncomfortable and you have to make the best of it with the people around you, which is probably the purpose and the point, right? Yeah, I, I think to be fair, these dorms are a little bit more souped up I, I, than the I get ones it. in Lawrence, Kansas. No, I don't. I mean, are they like were the ones at Rose Holman or at Anderson? Yeah, I, I think. I you're mean, getting, I get for the players they are a king bed, and and obviously from an eating standpoint, you're not like okay, what's my meal point situation right. here? Uh, there's some video. But I'm game, just saying, walking you know, into the building itself, yeah. you know what I, I mean? It just. I think it's I mean, not. Look, it's not the Conrad is what I'm getting at. Knowing that you're there for three weeks. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you go see your family every fourth night. That probably helps you out as well. And if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, now I believe they stay at that hotel across the street from Grand Park. I forget what it's called. So they don't stay at their house. I think I. I'd have to double. Not check Not all players that. have moved here, obviously. Right. I, I'd have to double check that, but I, I think some. You know, you're allowed to go home some nights. Again, you're only practicing 13 times, so it's not like you are. If you look at the schedule, really, that second week that would be the. First, or I guess it's the week of July 31st. That is the big week of training camp. So if you're looking to go out there and you're looking to find as many days as possible, that week of July 31st, uh, the Colts practice Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, off on Friday. They practice Saturday, Sunday. If you want to watch them at all, any of those other weeks, there's really only two, maybe three practices a week around that. So something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think we've gotten a chance to go over this list Jake but it's kind of a long one there was a lot of guys with the state of Indiana ties join new teams in free agency and I would think the one that hails from 86th street has got to be pretty happy about his landing spot you see where Eric Gordon ended up he's in Phoenix right yeah Phoenix is loaded man don't you feel like that's like an ideal fit for him to just dominate the second unit yeah, just, score, score, score. Just sit out and hang on the three-point circle like you did in Bloomington, right? Be with Frank Vogel after f- 15 years in the league for Eric Gordon, by the way. Does that make you feel old? Yeah. I mean, I remember when he was... Hell, I remember when Jason Gardner was a freshman, let alone Eric Gordon, right? Uh, Desmond Bain, of course, a huge contract extension with the Grizzlies. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton-like for the Richmond, Indiana product who played at TCU. A couple of other state of Indiana... 
notes Trey Lyles re-signs at the Kings. Two years, $16 million. That's a nice payday for Trey that Lyles. Is. That Deserved. is. Um, Thomas Bryant to the Heat. Really? So Cody Zeller... Don't think that project worked out very well. Uh, two years, $5.4 million for Thomas Bryant. Zeller is with the Pelicans. One year, $3.1 million. So Cody Zeller got replaced by Thomas Bryant. Correct. And yeah. Victor Oladipo picked up his option, right? Well, what, he was traded to the Thunder, correct? I th- you know what? Now that you mention it, that's... Yeah, but he had a player option, though, on a contract. That he obviously picked up because I mean he you know his from a health standpoint he didn't want to turn that down and go into free agency. It sounded a bit like a you know kind of like a salary dump sort of situation, right? Yeah, I mean you got to wonder how much longer from a health standpoint, crazy as it sounds, you got to wonder how much longer Oladipo is going to be in the league, right? Uh, this from Woj: Oklahoma City is going to be receiving draft compensation from Miami and absorbing Oladipo's nine point four five million dollar contract. That allows Miami to create a trade exception of nine point four five million in the deal. So he goes back to Oak City. I, you feel for him because Oladipo is the classic example of a guy that gambled on himself and got really bad advice and listened to the wrong people and lost. And you never know. I, Don't you think the All NBA year was kind of fluky though? Here, or was he really an All NBA player? I, I, I don't think he was. Not on an annual basis. Every ball bounced his way and every shot went in. You know what I mean? It was like, it was... Just hard to maintain that athleticism at a 6'4 streaky shooter for deep into your late 20s, early 30s. It's hard to argue that. I I just, but he... Russell Westbrook's the outlier and all that. Oladipo, when he was here, was a really, really good player. And at times a great player, obviously. A franchise player. And he was a really popular guy in Bloomington. I mean, I think both as a player and just as a person in general. And I I think he is the classic example. If I were an NBA agent or if I were an NBA franchise, I would play the Victor Oladipo movie for every player entering the league and be like, this is what happens when you start listening to the wrong people that pump you up and tell you how great you are and pretend to have your best interest in mind and give you terrible advice. And when your own family is saying like, um, you should probably distance from this like managerial group that's telling you that you are a, a combination of Michael Jordan and Luther Vandross and not to listen to anybody and to go rehab in Miami when your team is in the playoffs and when the franchise asks you to come back to be with your team in the playoffs on the bench from a supportive visual standpoint and you miss your flight and you end up coming on the last day of the season like, hey guys, good to see you. And you're doing other events and literally every person that's been along the way with you is telling you to get rid of the influence of people in your ear and you tell them, no, 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 this person's got my best interest at heart. And the next thing you know, you're back in Oklahoma City. The, the injuries are not his fault. I mean, you, you can't. And that's a big, big, big part of where he is. But he had opportunity to cash in and took a bad gamble. You know, uh, Halliburton's agent's an IU guy. Is it really? Yeah. 
Young dude. He was a year older than me at IU. <laughs> well. <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? You said he's a year older or a year, young, a year younger than you at IU. The dude just signed a $260 million deal for his client and takes well, 7%. Yeah, he, he, he's like, a young dude. I mean, when you consider NBA agent age, I would think I, a no, that is. 34 and year I'm just old saying, is, like... Then you think about it, and you're like, wait a minute. And I, I put myself in the same category as you here, Kevin, so don't take it that way. But you're like... Oh, are you saying that our paychecks don't look like exactly. that? Exactly. I'm like, this guy just brokered a, let's see, $260 million deal, right? That's if, if everything goes as planned. And he's going to get, what, 7%? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, he just, Something like that. He just made $18 million. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, is that not what we get here on the 10th coming up? <laughs> Do we get paid on the 10th? Do we know? Do we get paid on that or, or or on Friday? We're not sure when we get paid. Jake, I know each person's college experience is unique and not necessarily you know the, the norm, but this is how I look at dorm life. Pat says this, dorms equals freedom. As much as the players love their family, I'm sure they're pumped to have no responsibilities besides their job. Okay. I love dorm life. Now, granted, I had a co-ed floor, so, I mean... But what I'm saying is that... Do you not remember... Like. Maybe, maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm weird. Like, I just remember the first... Like, there are certain things. Like, when I walk into an elementary school, I can still smell and feel that sensation of the first day of elementary school, or the last day. And when I walk into a dorm, I can still feel just that... That... Again, I'm not saying it's not an excitement. But like just that the unknown, I can feel the unknown of like, man, like I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm not with my guys. Maybe I was unique because I had such a such a special tight group in high school. And then when we went to college and I went 500 miles away from home, it just was a totally different experience for me. But it was like, man, this is not the coddled comfort zone that I'm used to. And, and I think dorms are somewhat, I mean, for the college student, I'm not talking about for an NFL player. I think they're designed from a college student standpoint to not be the four seasons, right? We've got moratorium for the Pacers, and or for the NBA, I should say, ending today at noon. That means we could get some public comments from the Pacers in regards to Bruce Brown Jr. and Obi Toppin here shortly. One thing I want to ask Scott Agnes when he joins us here in about five minutes, where is this Chris Duarte trade? Like I, I think we're still waiting, and I don't know, maybe it'll take till the moratorium before you get an announcement, but I have seen very little to no details on exactly what this trade entails. So we'll throw that question Scott's way coming up here in a few. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Riding to Vegas? Is that where you're going with here, Mark Dyson? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Vegas Summer And Nelly League. just si- uh, sold the whole catalog for a bunch of money. For how much? How really? Much? I don't know. I was working in St. Louis when he broke through, and that's his Did you have town. the Band-Aid under the eye, Jake? I did. Like Nelly? Country Grammar, I, I believe, was his album, the, the first one that came out. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that was constantly being... That and Jim Edmonds was a fan of Limp Biscuit. So oh, sure. Like, Suffocation. <laughs> no breathing. <laughs> what? Is that Limp Biscuit? That is not Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Who, who's that? That's Papa Roach. Papa Roach. Wow. Oh my Don't they kind of look alike? Look no, look Kevin. <laughs> I'm going to guess Scott Agnes was a Nelly fan. You're breaking my new metal heart right now. Scott Agnes, did you uh, crank a little country grammar back in the day? <laughs> I did, for sure, yeah. And Cruz is what kind of got me into uh, country music. I forgot about Florida Cruz. Georgia Line. Yeah, it was Nelly yeah. and Florida Georgia Line on that end. Um... What's up with Chris Duarte in that trade? Do we, do we know any details on this, Scott? I'm very confused. We haven't heard anything. Yeah, KB, this has been one of my biggest frustrations for the last week. I mean, I sent out three text messages last night, called agents, called team executives. Nobody wants to say anything about what is or was is not happening with or without Chris Duarte here. And I think it's really concerning to all of us, media and fans alike, of what his current status is. Um, because it was just weird, right? It was the kind of a, a nugget dropped by Shams, which presumably well done, saying, hey, they're nearing the deal, and then nobody has added to it since then. Um, I think the the general thought here is, yeah, no, Chris will not be with the team next year, um, but is it this deal or is it something else? I, I, I don't have anything else to add right now, unfortunately. Well, here's the thing, Scott. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Is that, <laughs> that, that's Olympus. Okay, okay, yes, got it. that's okay. Olympus. So $50 million Nelly got, by the way, for his catalog. $50 million. Not, <laughs> not bad wow. until you consider that Bruce Springsteen got like $600 million. Or you look um, at Bruce Brown's contract. The, the two players that they're getting here, well, we'll go with Obi Toppin, okay? That was reportedly for two second-round picks, Correct. Yes, two second-round picks. Yeah. Isn't that what reportedly they were getting? I'm not saying the same two, but wasn't the report that Chris Duarte was going to Sacramento for second-round picks? Uh, all that was said was draft compensation. So my question is, is it, is it possible that the reason Indiana has not confirmed the Duarte move is because those are the two pieces that are going to New York for Toppin, and they can't confirm any of that until noon today? Officially, yes, but like nobody even wants to talk about it or 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 discuss what is or what did not happen, that type of thing. And that stuff can ha- happen privately. Or Everything yeah, gets what you just said is correct. You know that type of thing. And there's none of that right now. So we'll we'll, work, we'll keep working. Now, Scott, in terms of free agents, and we'll talk about the Pacers and the summer league roster here in a second. Because, but we've done a lot of that this morning. Uh, you got a pretty interesting article that just went up about a guy with a Pacers background and a Pacers history, who is a free agent that is himself trying to get back into the league. Correct? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. I appreciate that, Jake. Yeah, I had a long conversation with Glenn Robinson the third from Gary, Indiana. Played for the Pacers for three years, and and really started to make some hay here with the Pacers. And then had a a bad injury that occurred in training camp. Of um, it was first significant injury of his career, and it cost him most of the season. And then he bounced around two or three different places. But he's been away from the league for the last uh, couple of years. Um, in large part, one of the big things he's dealing with, or was, uh, Jake, was the court system trying to get you know full rights to his daughter and such, um, and that that was something that really bothered him and took him a while to kind of straighten out. He went to Harvard Business School uh, through a program with the NBA uh, and thought he did well there, but uh, he's just 29, wants to play at least a few more years, so uh, just posted that story on fieldhousefiles.com this morning. Scott, do you believe and we'll use Glenn Robinson III as an example. 29 you're right. I mean, in, in generic terms, that should be the prime of an NBA player. But the NBA is so unique in the fact that you're talking about the greatest athletes in the world in my opinion, and probably in any sport other than maybe track and field. But how long can you be out of it regardless of how skilled you are? How long can you be out of the game unless you're Michael Jordan and you're hitting curveballs for a year and then you come back? And even then it took him a while, to be honest, to get back to the level. But do you think a guy can can sit out? What's the amount of time that dust can can set in before you can and you can still be able to play? Yeah, no, that's a fair question because, I mean, this was a lot. This was too, by the way, right when COVID happened. So that was that certainly played a part in this, but um, if you're if you're getting the reps in, I, I think it's a, it's a lot more reasonable. It's it's difficult if you're just sitting out and haven't done anything and maybe just going for a run or a swimming lane, you know, let's say every six months because the the conditioning level, like we're talking to these guys after each of these summer league practices. And among the things they're mentioning are the conditioning level. We heard Gennaro Pargo talk about Isaiah Jackson after his first couple of years would get winded after a five-minute stint. And now in his third year now with the Pacers going into it, he can finally sustain it and, and not be getting that foul trouble hopefully as much and stuff. And that's just the conditioning level for a guy who has been in it the last couple of years. So you're right. That, that would be an obvious concern. Um, also kind of just – how the game has evolved more. Um, but I will say right now, if you can knock down 40% of your threes, can kind of defend and have that athletic ability, there's going to be a spot for you. The trouble is they'll probably teams are much more likely to invest in, say, a 19, 20, 21-year-old than they are a 29 or 30-year-old to do a similar job. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, did um, Ronald Norad want to leave Indiana? Like, is this a promotion he's getting with the Hawks, or how did that go down? And then the other question I would ha- have off of that is, uh, any interest in trying to bring Dan Burke back? Um, I-, I saw the Pacers hire Jim Boylan, who obviously has some you know strong history in the NBA, but was curious about Norad's decision and uh, any interest in Dan Burke back. Yeah, no, you're asking all the good questions that we don't have complete answers of just yet. I'm hoping to talk with Ronald here in the next couple of days while out at Vegas. Um, that, that too, is a little bit bizarre, KB, in the fact that – so I heard about it, you know, heard, you know, office cleaned out, like, check on this, and his phone was disconnected, and he's off social media. 
And so I haven't had a chance to talk with Ronald just yet. Um, I do know just in talking with him many times is he's super motivated to become a head coach, to take that next step. Um, but I, I think he was very happy here. I think they were happy with the job here. Um, in a, in his new gig with the Atlanta Hawks, it's not even yet finalized. Um, when, when Rick mentioned that, that has not yet been finalized. So we don't know what the official capacity is there. So I, I don't think he was necessarily looking to leave. Maybe he was looking for more responsibility, perhaps. I don't know that for sure. He was mostly the defensive coordinator, essentially, um, and, and worked a lot with players, especially the point guards, including Tyrese Halliburton, uh, before every single game. So that's that's notable when it's your franchise guy. And then in terms of DB, I, I don't think anything really happened there. Um, Rick already had Jim Boylan on staff as kind of a coaching consultant who was around um, during an entire training camp, during a lot of practices, and then whenever he was not coaching the Team USA World Qualifying Team. So it was kind of an obvious internal hire. And also, what is Boylan known for, by the way? Defense. Although, uh, Rick Carlisle noted this week in the couple minutes he spoke with us that he's seriously considering getting away from kind of a coordinator system and kind of handling it by committee, both the offense, defense, all those sorts of things. Um, I don't believe there was any anything... Um, any extensive conversations with with Dan Burke or, or anything like that, um, because he's already up. He was quickly off to Detroit with Monty Williams, who, who has the same agent as him. So I think that was kind of an obvious fit, easy fit. And and one thing I could tell you about DB in his per, per, uh, previous situation, it was that was just a headache, like the constant drama, um, even off the court, and the guys wanting trade demands. He just wants to coach basketball. He just wants like to be in it for all those right reasons. And now with Detroit, so much young talent, I think that's where his focus can be. So I, I think he'll be happy with this new gig. I know we're still a little early in this, and it's a great problem to have, but Jake and I did the exercise yesterday, Scott, of, all right, let's play out a potential starting lineup for the Pacers. There's a lot of different, I think, options you can um, come up with, not only starting lineup-wise, but what that second unit could look like. I'm probably more of a pro-Buddy Heald starter than, I, I don't know, maybe most. I, I think you've been a little bit more vocal about Andrew Nemhard as a starter. Walk me through your thought process there. I assume a lot of it is defensive-minded. And then, I guess, do you think the Pacers look at it and say, yeah, w- we want a little bit more defense first with Nemhard in the starting lineup. We're good with Buddy coming off the bench. Yeah, but it, and I feel like, KB, those things have changed even in that week probably or two since that conversation now with Bruce Brown. Because I'm not sure how you could bring your, your top paid player off the bench, right? And so I think that might be reshuffles things. So where I am right now with this current group, I'm, I'm envisioning a Halliburton, Brown, Matherin, um, probably Toppin, but I think that's to be determined, assuming that goes through and everything. And then. Is there uh, enough shooting with that group? Yeah, that would be the utmost concern. You're right. You, you do need, you would wonder about having a shooter out there brown is absolutely that he's a he's a knockdown shooter um that's one of the reasons you're bringing him in there is for that and intangibles off the bench but i don't i don't know that that was my kind of first thought with that starting group after adding those couple of pieces that would allow for jairus walker to ease into things not be so overwhelmed maybe to start games and could play off the bench generally against second unit type guys in his rookie year um there's they've talked so much about 
how much they love uh, his defensive versatility and what he's been able to do at that end of the floor. Um, but, no, you, you raise valid points here. Is you keep healed with that starting unit. You keep that familiarity with Tyrese Halliburton. You keep that the shooting. Um, and, and then you can kind of have Andrew Nimhard run that second unit with a toughness group, right, with Nimhard, with, uh, with Bruce Brown and others. Um, and then who knows about the backup center at this point. There's three options, and I think that's part of the roster clarity that I think this franchise still needs um, to clear that up a little bit and clear roster spots. Scott, let's say Indiana's got a critical matchup against, I don't know, we'll say the Miami Heat, okay? Who guards Jimmy Butler? Or whoever is the, you know, I mean, if they're taking on, I guess it depends position by position, but most teams' best offensive player is going to be a two or a three. Indiana's designed, this is this is our weapon lockdown guy is going to be who? Andrew Nemhard still, I think. I think Nem- right now, I would say your top defenders are still probably Nemhard and Neesmith out on the wing. Um, we we saw Nemhard stretch himself even a little bit last season in terms of you know one night he was guarding maybe Steph Curry and the next night he was guarding LeBron James. Uh, you know a one to a four or five here. It's not ideal, but I think that's where they are still currently at. Because Bruce Brown comes in, he's only 6'4", so it's not like he's in a 6'8 edition uh, that they've desperately needed. And Scott Agnes is with us here from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, what else could the Pacers do? I mean, they still have cap space. They've got two first-round picks coming up in 2024. It seems like the NBA is kind of on this holding pattern of, all right, let's wait till Damian Lillard. Let's maybe wait till the James Harden thing plays out. But it, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, if the Pacers want to, they could do something else. I, I don't sit here and look at some glaring thing they need to do, but they do have the ability to maneuver if they would like. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, and that's well, one thing we do know is, uh, you know, assuming this, this OB Toppin deal, and, and players are already talking about that one, um, but they, they would have to clear a roster spot here after signing their two first-round picks, um, soon signing Bruce Brown and then adding OB Toppin. That would put them one over uh, roster spots. So we, we should get some clarity, hopefully, at least on that situation here shortly. Outside of that, I think the next move, um, would hopefully entail uh, some of the bigs with Jalen, with with Isaiah, and with Daniel Tice. Um, because, you know, I don't think we all need to go through that mess uh, again, right, where it's who's playing the backup minutes and, you know, they play one night and then not the next. Um, and then if there's uh, – the other thing I still would love to see is kind of that 6'7 wing defender. Um, but here, you know, a week into free agency, you're probably talking about – uh, maybe a veteran that's still trying to latch on somewhere, or you're talking about a young guy who's still very raw and and, and needs some more development. But those are kind of the two positions, two two transactions of need that I could see in their future. Daniel Tice to me is so interesting because Scott, it feels like if Daniel Tice was in an airport and somebody says, "Do you play in the NBA?" and he goes, "Yeah, I do," and they say, "Who do you play for?" It almost feels like his answer would be like, "You know, I'm not sure actually." <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I thought when he was acquired, and I got mocked for this, maybe rightly. I really thought when he was acquired that they were going to give him plenty of opportunity to be kind of their their goon, if you will. You know what I mean? Like their their enforcer. That was something I, I thought this roster lacked was just like that, like a dog mentality of 
don't mess with Ty Halliburton because you got to go through me. You know, that kind of thing. I thought it was going to be him. And, and be it injuries or opportunity, it just felt like it never fully meshed. And now he's the one that you're like, oh, I forgot he's there. Do they see it that way? Yeah, the, th- the thing with Daniel here is I feel like he doesn't fit their timeline, right? So he's 31, so he's a little bit older. He's entirely in a championship mentality, both in terms of you know playing for Germany, his home country, the summer, which he plans to do, um, or with an NBA team here coming up this next season. He got off to a little bit of a slow start, and I think this was part of the reason – um, that contributed to all those things you said with the Pacers too was you know he wasn't there in training camp playing he didn't play in a preseason game he really didn't contribute till after the new year after he had this special surgery that you know addressed ongoing uh, swelling and pain that he had and finally got rid of that but then when he came back uh, you know by then Tyrese had been out the team had already kind of pivoted to say all right let's start thinking about next year so he came back proved that he was healthy. And then they told him, hey, yeah, we're going to shut you down. We want, we want to get the younger guys an opportunity here. So he got kind of a false start there in that he played for a week and then was basically shut down. I, I commend him for being a pro, still wanting to travel with the team. If you noticed at the end of the bench, he still had his warm-ups on every game. I'm not sure he had a uniform underneath. But he wanted to sit right. there with his teammates, help in the way he can. Um, and, he, and he always wore his warm-ups, even though full well knowing he wasn't going to play tonight. Was, so, he, he, was he commando? He wasn't commando, right? Well, <laughs> Jake, that's unnecessary. Well, I, I mean, that's, that's what seems, sounds like it's being inferred. Jeez. I'm just saying. God, I'm sorry for these types of questions. <laughs> I get what you're saying, Scott. Is Boomer Commando under that outfit? <laughs> See? Now what? Now, so I'm the bad guy here, right? Well, I mean, I think Boomer and Daniel Tice are in two different categories here. Nothing against Daniel Tice on that end. Uh, Scott, last one for me. Are you Vegas bound? I will be tomorrow. Nice. We got, we're, we're expecting some uh, some official signings here today, later this afternoon, after, as you said, 12.01 p.m., um, but then off to Vegas for a week starting tomorrow. So I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up for that one. It's always my favorite event of the year. Pretty much every other night starting Saturday, the Pacers will be in action. Look for Scott's coverage. Again, his latest on Glenn Robinson III. Uh, pretty interesting story there on a potential comeback for the former. Lake Central, is that right? Is that where he went to high school? I think that's right. Lake Central. Yeah. Lake Central before his Michigan days. Scott, great stuff, man. Safe travels. Obviously, due to time constraints, we won't be talking to you next week because you'll be out till the wee hours in the morning out in Vegas, if I know you correctly. Oh, yeah. Uh, so enjoy that, <laughs> and uh, we'll be looking for your coverage from out there. Yep. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Jake, I'm not sure if our next guest, well, actually, I, I know that she does not know this, but I believe, and I want to make sure that I have this correct, 
that I have played a clip of her um, leading into a Nuggets broadcast for my class at IU. I want to say each of the last two years. And so Katie Wenji joins us right now. Uh, and again, for those in our market, like think like Jeremiah Johnson, better version of Jeremiah Johnson with the Nuggets. Um, she joins us here on the Payless Stickers Hotline. All right, Katie, do I have this right? It's you and Scott Hastings doing a little you know, pregame segment, and you, I think, asked Scott, I, I kind of forget the, the actual question, but I believe you asked him if Jermichael Green was going to play in the game, and is that when Scott literally just like turns around and just flat out asks Jermichael Green as he's warming up if he's going to play in the game or not? Well, first of all, thanks for that introduction. I don't know if I've ever been compared to Jeremiah Johnson, and I'm honored. Mm-hmm. I'm honored Better version. to carry that title. Um, yes, that is exactly what happened. So I was hosting in studio in Denver. Um, Jermichael Green was a game-time decision, and I noticed him warming up behind Scott Hastings, so it triggered my memory to be like, oh, is he available tonight for the Nuggets? We had time for a follow-up, and Scotty was on site. So I said, Scott, do you know anything? Have you heard anything? Coach Malone had already done his pregame press conference. Do we have any update on Jermichael Green? And Scott hadn't heard anything, but since he was right there, he pretty much just turned around and said, hey, Jermichael, are you playing tonight? <laughs> And Michael shook his head and said no, and he said, well, there you go, he's not playing. And that clip went viral and continues to sometimes like resurface and come back up, which is, is really funny. Yeah, your, your reaction is pretty priceless, and I mean it in all seriousness, and I say this to my students, so thank you for educating those in Bloomington, Indiana on an annual spring basis. I say to them, like, that is perfect, use your credential. We all get this great access, you know, Scott's on the floor at the time, You use your credential. Now, Scott took it probably a step further than maybe I would feel comfortable doing, but yeah. I think it is equally funny and somewhat educational, and that's why I decided to play it, so thank you for that. You're welcome. You're so welcome. I'm, I'm happy to be able to, to speak to the next generation in Indiana, yes. of all places. Yes. Katie, let's talk about Bruce Brown, because this has been our discussion. I want your thought on it. Um, we have seen here, like when the Pacers went to the NBA Finals in 2000, it's a good example, Austin Crozier had a really good series, and he got a big contract out of that. And I think there is some PTSD amongst Pacer fans here of – did they just overpay for a guy because of like a three-week flash that he had? What can you tell us about the overall body of work that Bruce Brown brought to Denver as opposed to just obviously a very strong push for them in the playoffs? Well, if you're looking for someone to be critical of Bruce Brown's game, you're not going to find that with me. Um, I, I think so highly of him as a player, as a person, Um, it's hard for me to talk to you guys about this because I don't think it's really sunk in yet for Nuggets fans and for those of us around this Denver team that he's not coming back. And I know I was only here for a season, but that was the type of impact that he had, and that was how good of a fit he was with this Denver Nuggets roster. Now, is he going to be that same type of fit in Indiana? That is to be determined. I'm not really sure. I know that he's chomping at the bit to – to have a little bit more opportunity, to have a little bit more freedom to show off what he's capable of. And one of the main things that he was really focused on coming into Denver and why Denver was such a great landing spot was because he was so tired of teams not knowing what to do with him. Like he was, when he was in Brooklyn, he was like the big man on the floor for them, playing the four, playing the five at times. And then in Denver, he got to get back to being, you know, a true guard. He got to be back to where his roots are, where he played in Miami and, and, and got back to being able to shoot the basketball and really get out and run and push the pace and transition. So him being able to show that off, him being able to get back to that, I think that's going to be more of what you see. 
in Indiana, and that's going to be more of where he's most comfortable, and that's where he's going to thrive. And I haven't even gotten into the defensive side of the ball yet. So, fellas, you have a lot to be excited about. You really, really do. Well, Katie, it's interesting you mentioned that because I feel like the Pacers see it as he does really well what they did terribly, and that's guard. And so he's going to get a lot of minutes just based on the fact that he can guard. But I... And I think this is a good thing. I don't think that Indiana is expecting him to do more than what what Denver asked him to do. So it's it's almost like he's going to be asked to, to be the same kind of player here, which is good for him, right? But can you talk um, and tell us a little bit more about him defensively? Because I think that's what Indiana most needs out of him. Yeah, he's an absolute dog on that side of the floor. And he knows it. He loves that being a part of his identity. He'll tell you guys that when you get a chance to talk to him. He absolutely loves locking players down in this league. And and I think he recognizes that that's where he really made a name for himself in this league is on the defensive side of the basketball. When you think of Bruce Brown, his game truly is defend and run. Like, he wants to get his hand in the cookie jar. He wants to get steals. He wants to be active. He wants to contest really tough shots and make players – get outside their comfort zone and then when he does that he's gonna run and get out and push the pace and transition look to get all the way to the basket I can't tell you how many times we saw him go coast to coast he's just so athletic and such a smart high IQ defender and then you put his skill set alongside of that and and it's just it's incredibly fun to watch and he gets after it he's so competitive and I think that's half the battle on defense right is like just caring enough to want to get stops and doing that consistently, putting your heart and soul and your effort into that side of the basketball. And and Brown recognizes that that's why he's still in this league. He recognizes that that's why he just got the contract that he got with Indiana. So you will absolutely see him taking over on that side of the basketball for sure. And Katie Wingy is with us uh, right now, Denver TV reporter, host, and analyst uh, with the Nuggets. You'll get a little bit more into the Bruce Brown background as the moratorium for the NBA ends here in a few hours. So we should get official public comment from the Pacers on this move. We all saw Michael Malone at the parade, Katie, and his love <laughs> for Bruce Brown in a very public, maybe slightly intoxicated manner. Um, but nonetheless, clearly, Denver really, really loved him. Uh, was the issue just strictly financial puzzle that didn't make sense considering what he got here from Indiana? Yes, it was absolutely. The the offer that Indiana gave was too good for Bruce to pass up. And I think this is a really great lesson, again, a great reminder that what you hear at a parade, don't always believe it because not only did Coach Malone step up on that podium and say, you know, Brucey B is not going anywhere. Bruce Brown stepped up to that podium and said, I got one question for y'all, one more year. And financially, there just was, it wasn't possible for the Nuggets to be able to keep him. And, and Bruce Brown is a player that has been overlooked his entire career. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think from a combination of what he's made in his NBA career, this Pacer deal like doubles that in just these couple years. So he, he earns this. He absolutely deserves this. He's worked his butt off to be in this position. And, and this is a situation, you know, where I think he probably wanted to stay in Denver. I think he probably wanted to stay with this team. He loved the city. He loved obviously winning a championship and, and having an opportunity to run that back with something that was uh, very exciting for him. It was something that he, I'm sure, thought about. But at the end of the day, like, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen a year from now. And so with that in mind, 
he was like, I've I've been overlooked and underpaid in his in his perspective my whole career. And for me to finally have a season where I could show off what I'm capable of doing and have an opportunity to be rewarded for that, I want to be able to do that and, and feel invested in with another franchise franchises if that's possible. You know, the life of professional sports, oftentimes, you know, you don't get to really know a, a player, per se, for several seasons. I mean, Bruce Brown was literally a nugget for one year, and yet, as you've mentioned throughout this interview, like, you, and your tweets indicate this, when Bruce Brown Jr. joined the Pacers, like, he clearly has a pretty special place in the hearts of, of Denver fans. I mean, you've spoken glowingly of him. Like, what was it about him, you know, on the floor? I, maybe it's his style of play, but what more can you speak to maybe his character that obviously had Denver fans, you know, really loving a guy that had only been there for one year and his last name wasn't Jokic or Murray. <laughs> yeah. Well, first on the floor, you know, he he goes 110% every possession. And I think in today's NBA, those guys are so easy to root for. When you can tell that they're leaving it all out there and when you can tell that they're really committed and committed to winning and want to win and they're able to put their egos to the side, they're able to be selfless, and they make really tough plays. And Bruce is just a tough player. Like, he's just a tough dude. And I think for fans that want to see, like, competitive, fiery basketball, he does that. He also, like, will talk his game. Like, he'll talk during games. And I think that gets fans excited, too. Like, if there's a player that he's getting into that's getting frustrated, he's going to let that player know. If he hits a shot next to the opponent's bench, he's going to let that bench know. And and so fans love that. They feed into that. And And Bruce's personality just really... When, when things are going well, he is shining, as bright as you can shine. Um, and he was always so great with the fans, always so great in Denver, being around. Uh, the other thing that I think is going to be a great fit for you guys in Indiana is even though he's from Boston, he's a country boy at heart and loves country music, uh, is always wearing a cowboy hat and loves you know, Luke Combs and, and Morgan Wallen. And that's if he could pick what he's warming up to before games, he did in Denver. I don't know if it'll be the same thing in Indiana, but um, he had his own warm up meet. Like he would have the DJ in house play country music during his shooting routine. So it, he will fit in great from a personality standpoint, too. I feel like you guys thrive in country music over there so that that's another area where wow that that might actually work out pretty well for him you know we have indoor plumbing and everything out here uh-huh you that's know? wonderful <laughs> I mean, i'm sure he'll he'll feel great about that katie uh best concert of limp biscuit versus papa roach <laughs> you, guys, you might not, not know this but i went to school in, in bloomington illinois so I, oh. I kind of have an idea of what it's like <laughs> there you go katie best concert you've seen in red rocks oh um well, my, my country is going to show here. Brantley Gilbert and Thomas Rhett before Thomas Rhett was Thomas Rhett was a really great concert. Um, wow, Thomas Rhett in like that venue. Kygo, that's pretty unique. Kygo there was really, really good, too. Hmm. By the way, I assume you do a lot of outdoor stuff in Denver. That's one of the great benefits of living in a city that is not only gorgeous, but from a nature standpoint, is fabulous. Um, do you do a lot of like hiking and outdoor stuff yeah. in Denver? Have you yeah. ever gone to, and I'm going to mispronounce it, Katie, and I apologize for that, uh, near Pikes Peak, the incline. What's it called? The Manitou? Manitou incline? Manitou incline, yes. Yes, so, I have done it. So I did that. Now you tell me, because I'm very proud of this. I actually printed myself a certificate and everything for it. Um, I flew to Denver, landed at like 11 o'clock at night, drove straight to that area, and then in the morning immediately did the incline. So I had not yet acclimated. Oof. And and did it, 
and then after that, I went to the top of Pikes Peak, and I think that that accelerated my acclimation. Now, am I making that up that my body would have would have acclimated faster because I did the incline? Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe your body's just really good at adjusting. Um, I think honestly, that's incredibly impressive that you drove straight down and did that. That incline is no joke. It, it was. I mean, I'm not saying it was easy, right? I mean, it probably yeah. took me hey, twice we as don't long need to as feed those the people. ego anymore. That's, that's right. No, that it's I'm, I'm going to feed the ego because those that are in Indiana probably have no idea. This incline is like, I mean, it's straight up. It's already at. I don't know what the the base level is, but way higher than Denver is. Um, and like it's, it's near Colorado Springs. So Colorado Springs is one of the main facilities for Olympic training. So a lot of Olympic athletes will go and do it. They're crazy and they'll wear like weighted vests and stuff, but it is this massive step. It's all these stairs. Um, and at like at the altitude that you're at, like it is, you, you get winded after 10. I I mean, no question. I had to stop several times. I mean, but it, it is super cool though. And that whole area, Katie, I mean, listen, I know that you're aware of it, but, um, you know, just a huge privilege to be able to live in such a beautiful city with such oh, unbelievable stuff around it. It's a very yeah. cool place for sure. I don't take it for granted. That's for sure. Katie, last one. And if you're not allowed to comment, feel free uh, because I don't know exactly what your you know employee status with the Nuggets is. I, I don't know if Jeremiah Johnson would fall in the same boat. Are you allowed to comment on any Denver moves? Because I do think as a someone that obviously follows the Pacers, uh, we really enjoyed the three years Justin Holiday spent here. Well, why don't you guys tell me what I'm in for then, okay. if that's the case? Jake? Um, no, I honestly, I think that um, none of it's official, as you guys mentioned, but I, the, the holiday move is one that I think the Denver Nuggets will. It, it feels very similar to Bruce Brown in a lot of ways yeah. because holiday hasn't gotten a lot of um, publicity. He hasn't gotten a lot of the playing time that I think that maybe he has deserved or, or we haven't seen the best of him yet. So is he a potential guy that could come in and really help the Nuggets and be a great fit in Denver because of, of what his game is like. Here's what I love about him, Katie. He can obviously shoot, but the thing I loved about Justin Holiday is he is one of those guys that understands what his role is and is comfortable with it escalating or decreasing night to night depending on what they ask of him. He just he does it. not yeah, he doesn't play above himself and is totally willing to do whatever it is that's asked of him. Yeah, that's I mean that sounds like a perfect fit for the Nuggets. Those are the type of guys that they're looking to get. So um, that that'll be that'll be really good for those of us in Denver. Yeah, really durable. I think kind of an ideal, you know, eighth ninth guy to round out your second year. Probably unit, can't do course. the incline though. Right after arriving in town, that's only the elite athletes. Yeah, exactly. The yeah, rare I, gifted I one. I hope that your certificate is framed. <laughs> yeah, it somewhere. is laminated oh, yeah. on the fridge when he goes home. Katie, heck yeah, Katie, terrific stuff. Safe travels. Thanks for waking up for, with us early on this Thursday morning. Safe travels to Vegas, and uh, really enjoyed the combo. Appreciate it, guys. No problem at all.